This is the Morning Buzz on Spice Radio 1200 AM. You're with me, Natasha. Along with me is Mankaran. Countdown to the end of 2023 has begun. Greedflation, shrinkflation, skimflation. They're the new words added to our dictionary and probably inflation would have been a great candidate for the word of the year. But to take us through what is in store for us in 2024, we have Dr. Kelly Weisman, Academic Director of the Master of Food at the UBC of Food and Resource Economics at the University of British Columbia and co-author of Canada's Food Price Report of 2023. Thank you so very much for joining us, Dr. Weisman. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, happy to do so, and thank you for the invitation. Dr. Wiseman, the big question is, how does 2024 look for us when it comes to grocery bills? Well, I think from a food affordability point of view, you know, we know this is a major concern. We know that we've felt the impact of some very high prices. doesn't matter how old you are, how what income you are, these prices feel very high over the last three years. What are we in store for, for 2024? Well, the good news is, is that things are calming down. And what I mean by that is that we do expect that prices, as, as traditionally, that they will increase, but it will be much more in line with regular inflation. So it'll be between that two and a half and four and a half, as opposed to what we experienced over the last few years, which was more like that eight and 10 and much higher categories. So I call it a calming down. But it's not, we're not going to be going in the grocery store saying, wow, all these things have, you know, decreased in price. They just will not, they will be sort of more uh, stable and not increasing at that same high level of rate. Right. And how will this price increase really impact our household budgets or, you know, the food expenses for the year? Right. So basically what we're looking at is that, you know, between that six to $700 for sort of a family of four, something like that, um, but what we look at was kind of interesting about this is that it really depends on, on sort of your selection and your choices. There'll be a split out, I guess we'd call it, of the different categories. So, for example, interestingly enough, fruit and dairy um, are meant to be, in terms of prediction, sort of lower between that one and three. So if that's a big part of your, you know, food budget, you won't feel, you know, as much of an increase. Whereas if you're looking at bakery, if you're looking at vegetables, if you're looking at meat, and of course not all cuts of meat, you will feel this much more because the prediction is is that those are going to be more in that 5 to 7%. So it's going to affect people because they will feel this gradual increase. They will feel some relief to say, oh, it's not going up you know, as before. But there will still require people to, I guess what I'd call you know, put in the hard work and effort that we all have to do to look for sales, you know, try to try to do as well as we can when we go into the grocery stores in terms of spending our money and the affordability factor. And have you seen a marked shift in how people shop for their groceries? Yeah, so that's an interesting thing. What we have seen, which is, which is quite a, a different phenomenon, is generally what happens is the spending uh, in terms of per capita usually sort of is, you know, relatively the same, so the volume, we'll say. And then, of course, as prices increase, then the price per capita per person increases. What we have seen from Stats Canada here in terms of we, we you know, are looking at sort of what they have looked at and put it into our context is that there is actually a decrease in, in, in the actual dollars per person that is being spent. So 
what does that mean? Quantity or quality of that of what people are buying is changing. So maybe people are buying less in general, or they're shifting quality. They're saying, I'm not going to buy the top brand of, I don't know, orange juice or yogurt. I'm going to go with a no-name brand. So they're making those changes associated. So that's going to you know change not necessarily nutrition, but, but it changes how we buy and what we're buying. And Dr. Wiseman, how did we get here? I, I believe that we could have blamed the pandemic at some point because of, uh, you know, whether it was supply disruptions or labor shortages. But are they still the reasons for this inflation? Yeah, you know, Natasha, it's such a good question because as economists, you know, we're always looking to say, so fundamentally supply and demand drives these things. Well, we're not eating that much more, so it's not on the demand side. So it has to be on the production, the supply side. So, you know, the inflation, absolutely, like we you know, said, the pandemic is, you know, and the shortages that are brought for whether it be labor or transport or these kind of things, you know, certainly created that, but but that's calmed down as well in terms of as we see it from other areas beyond meat, right? So basically in terms of how we would have, we are getting here and where we are now is there is still there's sort of two drivers. One is the big picture, the macro stuff. So as in geopolitics, as in climate change, as in, you know, something like a, a drought or a flood. So those elements, um, having the war in Ukraine and Russia. So, that, you know, impacts price of, say, wheat, the price of fertilizer. But what we found is that those, whether they be climate or the geopolitics, they have impact, absolutely. But but the system seems to kind of come back. So it, it kind of kicks back into where it was. So it's a short-term impact. Um, but from the other side, where we're really sort of seeing this and where it seems to be inflation is, is coming in, has to do more with the fundamental cost of production and it's all the way through the system so we're talking about ingredients we're talking about glass bottles talking about packaging you know labor costs are going up where you know people are renegotiating for these higher wages so fundamental cost seems to be the driver that's maintaining this Wow. And there's also a recent report, which I think uh, is pretty uh, pertinent here, because it suggests that grocers are making a cool profit of $6 billion in 2023. So uh, that also kind of uh, adds to, you know, our grocery bills as well, right? The pressure on it. Yeah, it's, you know, there's, there's no question that, you know, we we look to see, you know, is this climate, is it carbon tax? Is it, you know, grocery competition? Where is it? So speaking to the grocery competition, I mean, to have a few, like we have really five sort of main, you know, companies that, that have the majority of the market share, there's good things about it because they buy, you know, higher levels. So we have gains in terms of the economies of scale, we call it, in terms of buying in bulk, those kind of things. And But we are always worried about that competition. But in truth, what happens is, from studies, from the research that has come out, you know, basically it seems that this concentration is not really causing, you know, excess profits, as we would call it. And the reason we can kind of just sort of generally look at it is that if we look in the UK, we look in the European Union, we look in Japan, we look in the United States, all of those have a higher food price inflation than Canada. So what that means is that, you know, from a sort of a, a power or from a, you know, profit point of view, it doesn't lend itself to that argument of them making excess.
excess profits, you know, mm-hmm. or opportunistic pricing, you know, pricing high, those levels. So it doesn't seem like it's coming there. It's more likely this area of sort of wages and, and rent, and, you know, shipping and basic ingredients of cost of goods sold that seems to be sort of the ground of, of why why these, you know, prices are up and sort of staying up, although, like we said, calming down, hopefully. Wow. I, I don't know whether to, it's, it's, I'm in that in-between feeling good, you know, kind of uh, sense of relief that it's kind of calming down. And yet I know that, you know, the prices are already so high. You want to kind of summarize this whole food report and tell us what do we expect again in 2024? Do we kind of feel good about it? Kind of get used to the price rise? Mm-hmm. I think we, I think we would love to see these prices come down. Oh, before, you know, come down that sort of pre-pandemic mode. But the reality is, is that very seldom in history do prices actually go down. So what we will see is we will see overall food price inflation will be between that two and a half to four and a half percent. That's what sort of our models tell us. That's what the various universities models in terms of the four of us have, uh, you know, connected into. We will see differences in categories. Fruit and dairy will be, you know, lower, one to three, whereas bakery, vegetable and meat will be more in that higher range of five to seven. So it means that consumers will still continue to have to make the effort to look around for sales, for substituting, you know, high quality for maybe medium quality, or just looking for different brands, things on sales, buying in bulk, uh, say fresh, you know, substituted to frozen, looking to, you know, put that effort, not saying that it's easy because we're all, you know, short on time and takes effort. But it will uh, certainly, even with these kind of calming down of the prices, it will still require, you know, that sort of smart shopping and smart, you know, grocery shopping within them. Thank you so much for these insights, uh, Dr. Wiseman. It was really a pleasure talking to you and very insightful indeed. Thank you very much for the invitation. You have a beautiful day. Thank you. Same to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.